Want to be a voice actor and book more gigs? Then watch the free intro to voice acting class at voiceoverchampions.com. Change into voiceover champions to save the voiceover world. Hey there, everybody. Joshua Seth here, voice actor and host of VoiceOver Champions podcast. Thanks for being here for this special series where I'm going to be interviewing several voice actors who are based outside of the major production hubs of Los Angeles and Dallas and New York City, people that live in far-flung remote locations to find out how are they booking work as voice actors working remotely, not able to network in person, not able to go into studios in person, but still being very successful voice actors living in random places like I do now that I live in Florida instead of LA. And I'm going to be kicking things off with my interview today with Sarah Sakura. I started with her because in addition to voicing lots of voiceover work in video games and animation, she is also the author of the book, The Anywhere Voice Actor, which she wrote specifically for remote voiceover talent. But before we get to that, I'm about to kick off an autograph signing tour every weekend for the next 11 weekends. I'm going to be out at Comic-Con conventions, store signings, trading card conventions, and that starts this weekend on Friday, March 24th. I'll be in Herkimer, New York, and on Saturday, March 25th, I'll be in Canton, New York, and then wrapping up this weekend will be Sunday in Albany, New York, signing autographs at Heroes Hideout. That's just this coming weekend. The next weekend, April 1st and 2nd, I'll be appearing as a guest at TCG Con in Indianapolis, and I've never even been to Indianapolis, so I'm looking forward to to hanging out with all the other great voiceover guests there and meeting all the fans April 1st and 2nd. I promised on the last episode that I would read on the show the next review that came in for this podcast on Apple Podcasts because it's so important for the growth of the show that you guys share it with your friends and keep those five-star ratings and reviews coming on Apple Podcasts. Helps the algorithm, helps people find the show. So thank you so much to... Gray Winter 1995. Thank you, Joshua, and guests for sharing your stories and experiences. This is a learning experience for people like me who are curious about the voice acting industry. Well, you are very welcome, Gray Winter, and that is exactly why I'm doing this. I have been a voice actor for a quarter century, except that over the last decade, I've really only flown to LA once a year to voice whatever new Digimon movie we're working on. And other than that, I've been out of the industry until just a few months ago when I built my home recording booth and started voicing for an upcoming show and a movie. And now that I've got all the equipment, I really want to start auditioning and booking roles and getting back to work as a voice actor, just like all of you do. But the industry has changed, and that's why I'm doing this podcast, to be very open and honest about my journey back into voice acting and sharing the lessons that I learned along the way and the people that I meet and interview on this show with all of you. So I hope you find it interesting, and we're going to kick off this series on remote voice acting right now with my talk with voice actor Sarah Sakura from Detroit, Michigan. 
also, I just read through your book this morning, The Roadmap to Voice Acting. You're like a real writer. Like you, you have lots of info in there. I'll have a link to it in the show notes down in the description. Uh, admittedly, it is for beginners that really are looking for an overview of the business and, and how to work remotely, but right. I think it would be very useful if you were in that position and would need that kind of information. Did you just put that together for coaching clients or because people come and ask you so much or you're just so passionate about <laughs> remote recording that you wanted to share what you know? Well, I, you know, when I started out as a voice actor almost a decade ago, this is something I wish I that I had. So I wish this was like available for other people. So I was like, well, I write, you know, I've been writing books for, I mean, I've been writing a book since I was 17, but I actually published when I was 26. So mm. I'm 33 now. Um, and so that was a fantasy book. I've been doing all the writing stuff on the side for a long time. Um, so I was like, let's just marry the two. Let's write a book about voiceover and let's make it useful. Let's put all the information out there that a lot of people can find bits and pieces of online, but they can't find it all in one place. So I decided to really dive in and just kind of make it a handbook of sorts that just gives you straightforward to the point the basics and also some of the more intricate stuff like talking about the union um, and stuff like yeah. that that people right. usually have questions about and aren't sure about. And there's like some misinformation floating around from different sources. So I was like, let's just, I, I sat down with people from SAG and really just broke it down. Like, how can I get this? And, and you point out the differences in <laughs> rates for different types of right. work and you have links and resources. Yeah, that is mm -hmm. very, very useful. And it's because of all the misinformation online and especially right. on Twitter amongst the voiceover community that I started doing this podcast in part. The other part is I stepped away from the industry for so long. And now that I'm doing all these convention signings and rubbing shoulders with other working voice actors that I used to know 15 years ago, and they're like, why aren't you doing this from home? I'm admittedly a bit late to the party here and that I just made my home recording booth a few months ago because a studio named Sound Cadence reached out to me and asked me to do a series. So I was like, okay, I have a reason to buy a nice Neumann TLM 103 mic and put together a studio. And now, so now I've got it and now I've got to figure out where to get auditions, how to start auditioning because the world right. is so different from when I left. So I'll do this briefly because I've talked about this on the podcast before, but when I started in voiceovers, you had to move to New York or LA if you wanted to be in the business, which you discuss in your book. It's true. I grew up in Ohio. I moved to New York City. I went to Tisch School of the Arts at NYU. I had a radio show there and I used that to make my first demo and get my first agent out in Los Angeles. Then I moved to Los Angeles with an agent thinking, okay, I'm in the business, but the way the business worked back then, you had to spend half your day driving to the agent and sitting around in the agent's office waiting for your turn to audition. And then the auditions were few and far between in terms of the booking ratio, because I was new. I probably booked one out of 50 auditions initially, which would take months. And it took me years to establish myself. Now, admittedly, when you did book one of those, it was mostly commercials initially, it was not hundreds of dollars, it was thousands of dollars. It was enough money it could sustain you for months, and you would go to places like The Voice Caster or Kalmanson and Kalmanson, these places and spread out throughout the city, mostly in Burbank though, and, and you'd spend half your day just gambling it away on the idea that this audition might culminate in a booking weeks or months later. That's, that's everybody's experience up until this century, let's say. And then, yeah. and then after about seven years, 
of gambling my days away that way. Uh, eventually, I started to get some momentum and spent the next six or seven years working nonstop and auditioning like that until I burned out and left the industry around 2007. Now, when I left is when so many people started coming in because the industry had changed and now you can network individually with producers and get on private rosters and make relationships with casting directors outside of that agency relationship. But it's so hard for me to wrap my head around because for years and years, you're not supposed to go around the agent. All work has right. to go through the agent to be commissioned. And when you're in the studio, you're not supposed to touch any of the equipment. This is the old way of doing, right? right. So only now am I learning to use a DAW and edit my own files and learn what a noise floor is or how, like how to do any of this basic technical stuff that anybody that came into the business after me takes for granted. In fact, let's start there. How did you even start remote recording almost 10 years ago when it wasn't, it wasn't the norm and internet speeds were much slower? Oh, it was not fun. I mean, honestly, now it's, it's, it's a cakewalk, but back then it was, um, I mean, I had no agent. I had no connection to the industry. I was very much on my own little island away from everything. And I was like, I really want to do this thing, but I have no idea what I'm doing. I didn't even have a theater background. I was coming in just with nothing. I didn't know how to edit audio. Um, and so I really just started from the most disadvantaged point uh, to start. And I just kind of chipped at it. I took classes. I got in front of people that knew what they were doing, and I asked a lot of questions. Um, I did trial by fire. I, I failed a lot, you know, mm -hmm. a ton. I well, that's did always a necessary work. part of the process. Yeah. In I mean, any artistic just, endeavor is just get comfortable with failing and just fail forward so you get a little bit better and a little bit wiser with each right. one. Right. I just really, I guess I kept my expectations to the floor. And I just kept trying and trying and trying. And over time, I started to pick up those skills. I started to pick up that confidence. I started to learn what I was doing. And then six years in is when it started to change. You know, I had a lot of indie video games under my belt at that point, tons of them. But I had no agent. Um, I, I couldn't even sign with a Detroit agent for a while. I tried it a few times and they were like, nah. Because I, I didn't really focus commercially, and that's what they mm -hmm. wanted. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, I got to tackle that. Tackled that, got the Detroit agent, got two of them, dropped one, took the better one. Um, and then I got the LA agent a little bit later. I got um, I was with AB2 at first, and now I'm with A3. Yeah, um, A3 is a great agency. And mm -hmm. so how do you feel you were able to get with A3 considering your remote? Like, did you do that before the pandemic? No. Um, I took a class with Emily. It was a commercial class, which is funny enough, not the thing I'm very confident in. Um, but we all had a read. Uh, we sent off our reads to Emily. She reviewed them and she really took to mine. And we ended up talking on the phone after. And she asked me to submit my materials because A3 is one of those agents that you kind of need a referral or somebody has to submit on your behalf. Even with a referral and tons of industry experience and stuff, for you to have gotten in just on the strength of uh, your performance in a class and living out of state, like that's amazing. Yeah, it it, it was like lightning struck me. I, I tell people ask like, how'd you get your agent? I'm like, it's not normal. Right, it, it's really not normal. Right. So, okay. So now that you do have a, a big reputable agent in Los Angeles, what percentage of your auditions would you say come through that as opposed to ones that you get on your own or through your own contacts? 
That's the most interesting bit. This year, I started to actually keep track of how many come through my agent, mm-hmm. how many come through my manager, and how many come through myself. And it's it's interesting because I also, my booking ratio is insane because I don't actually audition very much. I'm actually the type of person that tends to just get booked now, which is a crazy because awesome thing wor- to have happen. you've worked with people yeah. already. That only happens when you, yeah, right. that when I left, that's what was happening too was, it right. was a more matter of, are you available to do this gig? And right. then it becomes hard to turn the work down because you don't want to ruin the relationship, but you have to weigh the opportunity cost against other gigs that might pay more. Are you at that point yet? Or because your schedule's full. I would say I'm a workaholic, so I'm just like, I'll take it all. You know, I'll do it all mm-hmm. as long as it's fair pay, as long as they're valuing me as an actor. Um, mm-hmm. Cool with it. I did turn down something recently that, that the budget just wasn't there and i was like i can't do that to the industry kind of thing i was like no yeah um that's great to so take there's some that. ownership like that that's about it though it's it's really more on the rate focus but a lot of my auditions that i do get are from me a lot of the time uh because i do network a ton and i don't rely on my agents to be the end-all be-all which i notice some people do and that's okay if they do that but i feel like they're doing a disservice to themselves because the auditions the really good stuff that I get, like pretty much every AAA game you see, even the union stuff, I booked that through my own merit. Like I contacted the people, we formed relationships. I didn't even audition. They just gave you're it on, to me. You're on Genshin Impact, for instance. So how yeah. did that come about? Uh, talking to the people behind the scenes, getting to know them. Uh, be, right time, right place, for sure mm-hmm. on that one. They were just casting at that moment. And they're like, can you do this stuff? And I said, yes, I can. And then we did it. And it happened to be a character recorded almost 20 hours for. Uh, She's not playable, but it was a pretty major part. She had a lot of screen time and there's people cosplaying her like they love her. So what's your biggest tip for people wanting to network the way that you are talking about? What has been most successful for you? Because it could get overwhelming Mm -hmm. since there are so many options and ways to go about it. Right. I'm, I just taught a class on this literally last weekend um, all about how to do this and do it effectively. There's just so many bits to that question, but I will say okay. my my biggest help, that I, the, the, the like staple pieces of that question would be don't approach people like you have a business card. Like don't be like, here, I'm a voice actor. Here's my website. Hire me. Nobody wants to be talked to like that. Business casual is how I approach it. I get to know people on a personal level, and sometimes it does turn into friendships. Um, I don't talk to them like a gimme gimme kind of thing. I have no expectations going into the conversations. I would just go to have a conversation. And however it goes, I accept, even if they don't respond. Um, I am a very stubborn person, so I do like have my goals, and I kind of have my eyes set on them, and I will work very hard at them. Um, and I think that also is helpful to me because, you know, I don't really view things as rejection, even if like they don't respond or things didn't pan out the way I did that I wanted in my head. A lot of people get really like thrown off when that happens. And I, I that, don't. That's very smart. That bears repeating. Like just because the interaction didn't turn out the way that you were hoping or expecting doesn't mean it was a failure or won't turn into something else right. later on down the line. We're not omniscient and this is a long term game. And the really cool thing is a lot of people focus in on like, let me co- let me contact the casting directors, the voice directors. They stop there. No, get to know people in other parts of that pipeline. There's so many other people working on voiceover that sometimes like I got cast in um, a video game that's hugely well known. I'm not going to say what it is just to leave them, you know, not have the, the sharks sent their way, um, but a huge game. And they're just an audio engineer. 
They just work mm-hmm. on the audio and they got to cast. They got to put me in. And it was off a relationship I had with them that I messaged them a year prior about that they remembered me and were like, hey, you want to come in and work on this with me? And I'm like, yes. Would anyone say no? Well, <laughs> so still, when you're talking about having these conversations that are business casual, somehow you had to determine who mm-hmm. these people were to contact in the first place. Right. Are you able to discern that simply because you are a gamer and you're already in that world as a fan? Or is there some other strategy? It's, it doesn't just apply to games. Um, I do try to do this kind of across the board. I've done it with commercials, you know. Um, I would say that the way that I learned is just through trying and seeing where it sticks, kind of paying attention to the patterns. Okay, this this kind of job, like a producer, is hit or miss, but maybe I do have more success with the audio leads um, or the creative directors. So, for example, I will still try producers, but maybe I know my expectations are like, okay, well, I know this is very hit or miss. It's like cold emailing at best. Um, so, and I will also say LinkedIn is the home of business casual. It's where people go to talk about their business, but there are also still people that like to talk about other things. So it's a really good place to go. Um, and really learning your market and how to handle things and how to have the etiquette of not gimme, 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 um, but get to know people, I think is, is just everything. Yeah. And to see what you can offer that relationship before asking for something from it, especially someone that you don't know. It's interesting that you bring up LinkedIn because I'm on it every day for the other parts of my business for speaking and live shows. Mm -hmm. Uh, it, It seems to me that a lot of voice actors disparage LinkedIn as boring or dead or it's not the case. It's, it's where the people that don't have time to screw around on social media, posting pictures of their meals and their cats and things. It's where they go to network in a soft and sort of social way and put out what they're doing, but not in a, like you said, gimme, gimme, gimme sort of a way, but just to, to keep the lines of connection open with other business people. It's literally the social media for networking and people don't use it enough. And and they, if they do use it, they use it inappropriately. Um, They use it in a way that is that gimme, gimme kind of, here's my business card way. And who wants that? Like, I I just try to remind people, like, nobody wants to have a one-sided conversation with somebody who just wants something out of you. You have to actually get to know people. And they're like, well, that makes me feel like I'm not being very genuine because I'm just I'm just kind of like faking a conversation to get something. It's you make it as genuine as you make it. You can definitely make it as genuine as possible. I have literally made friendships with people that have never hired me. Um, And we're still friends. Like, it it Mm -hmm. doesn't have to be. Anything but what you make it. There's an old quote that goes something like this. You can get anything you want in life if you're first willing to give others what it is that they want. Yeah. And sometimes they just want a conversation. They love, people love talking about what they love, right? So asking somebody about the work they do and they're really passionate about that work, they're probably really excited to have that conversation. And maybe not a lot of people ask them about that. Be the person that makes them excited to talk about what they do. And you're especially excited about what you do. Especially if they're not the casting director, like you're saying, the engineer is somebody that yeah, I, doesn't, I doesn't, get as, doesn't get as much attention. Right. Casting directors and voice directors are flooded. I think they're, I'm, a, I'm actually a casting director and I know what it feels like. So I'm, I'm like, I don't want to be that person. Okay. So give us some best, best practices for casting submissions from the voiceover side. What do you like to see and what annoys you? Oh, that's a loaded thing. Um, 
What I like to see is people following the specs and the how to submit instructions, because usually we ask for that for a very specific reason. Um, like, for example, if they ask you to upload to a Dropbox, please upload to the Dropbox. Don't email it. Um, keeps it all in one place. Really easy for us. Labeling, important too, not because we're being stickler about it, but because we're organizing those files. So when you don't do it appropriately, your file gets kind of mixed up. So we need you to actually follow those instructions. Um, secondly, record. I feel like for me that the thing that throws it off immediately, the thing that'll have me turn off your your recording in like three seconds, mm-hmm. is if it sounds like the audio quality is bad. It doesn't matter how good your acting is. If your audio audio quality is not in a place where I can actually bring you in and have you, because I record most of my actors remotely. There are a few times where they've gone into the studio, but mostly remotely. I need you to have the studio to be able to do that. So if I hear it sounds like you're in a bathroom, you're on your phone um that kind of thing immediate no um i i the the quality of the audio (laughs) that would seem to be really basic it's more it's more important than the acting sometimes honestly um like acting's there obviously but i'm just saying when you're recording from home i need to know reliably that you have the ability to perform and to give professional quality audio and a lot of people are like well if i just try really hard to to act and and I focus in on that and I because your recording space is everything if your microphone like I have a Neumann Tail 103 if I was recording this in, in a closet that had no treatment this is a booth with treatment um then it would sound a whole lot different it wouldn't sound sure. very good at all yeah although so, I do know it. professional voice actors that record out of their closets it would seem to be a oh, little that's fine as long as you... but it's treated <laughs> That's how I started. But you can you can treat a closet. You even clothes work as as treatment sometimes. But I would say that's a really big thing I look out for is is the sound. But also um, people need to start because I do a lot of character stuff. People need to start learning their market. So sometimes I'll ask for a video game read and I get an anime read. Um, Very different things. Most of Mm -hmm. the time, most video games are grounded and real. You kind of need to learn how to appease the market you're trying to book in so mm-hmm. study learn what video games are booking right now and same with animation animation is a wide spectrum of things i do also cast for animation same thing i i cast for kids shows i go to like netflix for example we don't want anime in our kids shows so people need to learn the different markets and what you're trying to do for them that like appeases that that media and again i sound so old but when when you say to research People don't realize how easy it is to do that now. I mean, just go on YouTube and you can find clips from anything. When I was researching things, when I first went to L.A., I had to go to the Museum of Television, Radio, and Broadcasting. I think it was down on Wilshire. And there were like video cassettes. And you had to go in there and show your SAG card, I think. And, and then you could <laughs> take these video cassettes to players there on premises and watch old shows and things that weren't currently running when i wanted to see who was working on a cartoon saturday morning cartoon let's say i had to run videotape saturday morning and then pause it and write down okay you know tress mcneil you know was was casting this one and charlie adler was on or whatever like i had to like physically long form do that kind of research it was extremely time consuming and difficult now you can just you know flick of your finger on your phone and you can find any of this information you're talking about really no excuse not to do it yeah, and I always ask people, like, if they want to get in games, 
and they tell me that i'm like well do you play games and they're like no i'm like okay well go on youtube and start watching cutscenes. start mm -hmm. watching the performances Th those are the performances that are booking we want to emulate them in a way obviously not copy but in that style learn how to do that um and get comfortable with it because a lot of people they want to focus on animation i've noticed they tend to like make that their first demo for character and they make that the kind of highlight of what they want to do and then they know very little about the different styles of animation when you get an actual audition breakdown from um one of the big la agents sometimes they put the showrunners names up there right and that is your clue to what kind of style you might be playing with here. And that's really important information that you need to break down. If you're just looking at them all the same, they're all the same, they're not. Dora the Explorer is very different from SpongeBob, which is very different from Arcane. Those are all animations and they're entirely different mm -hmm. styles. Um, so it's really important to know what you're what you're working with when it comes right. to animation's kind of thing. not a genre, it's a medium. Right. Yeah. But I do, gotcha. I, you know, I encourage people who want to get in front of me to take a skill subclass with me if you want to mention skill sub which yep. is uh jennifer hale's platform she's mm -hmm. kind of one of the best in the business so she created it and it's for people who want to learn of any level with vetted coaches that can like on the dime if you need help with an audition you just need like 20 minutes you can just book something like that or if you need a full 60 minutes with a coach to really work on your skill set you can do that as well cool i'll have your link for that in the show notes as well and tell us a little <laughs> about your book uh, this is the Anywhere voice actor, which I'm super proud of. Um, I just really, we talked a little bit about how, like, why I wrote it, but I think that it's important to know that this is something that you can easily kind of refer to. Because coaching is great. I love coaching. This is something you can refer to at the very, like, at any time. You're, you're sitting there and you need a refresher. You need to know something specific. And there's, you know, you can just kind of reference the index here and, and maybe find that information that helps you out. I wrote this not just so you can read it once, but you can also go back to it, right? Um, so I'm going to be doing more writing. I'm going to write more of these books in the future, different topics of different things. But for now, I do think this one is kind of a staple piece uh, that I recommend a lot of actors check out in the beginning of their journey as a voice actor. Yeah, um, and I, I'll say I read it this morning. It's a very quick and easy read that has a lot of specificity in it. It is for the the beginning aspiring voice actor, but it gives a very good, mm -hmm. clear overview. Yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> yeah, I noticed on your website that you indicate that you have a disability. Is that something that you'd like to talk about or share? Yeah, so being remote, I really push the remote thing. Uh, I talk to studios about it all the time. Without that accessibility for people with like disabilities like myself, it just, we couldn't work. So that option being on the table is vital for people like myself. It's mm -hmm. how I've made my entire career. I've never recorded in studio. I've never traveled to LA to do any of that, not even locally in Michigan. It's all been from my booth. So um, without that, I wouldn't have a career. And I, I really do push accessibility also it helps diversity because if you're just pulling from one city you don't have a whole lot of options so mm -hmm. i really think it's it's beneficial to productions to media to being able to represent people effectively and and honestly if you pull from the world and not just from one spot in the world i couldn't agree more and how fantastic it is that a disability doesn't need to be a hindrance in this field of voiceover now that remote recording is the norm yeah and where can people find you? What upcoming events do you have going on? I am doing, so every month I do uh, online webinars and, and workshops and what have you. Um, I do one a month with me 
the topic changes. I do one a month with a special guest. Right now I have my commercial agent, A3, that's going to be doing one this month. Um, you can go to my website, sarahsecora.com slash coaching, and you can find that. And every month we have new stuff, and I, I really focus on the teaching element the most. Awesome. All right. Well, Sarah, thank you for joining us on the program today. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening. I've got a question for you. Have you ever thought about getting into voice acting yourself? If so, check out my free intro to voice acting class at voiceoverchampions.com and become a voiceover champion.